Alpha and Omega, the story we find ourselves in. Chapter 16a, Christ's Church. God's people spread the news of the King and His kingdom. Jesus' ascension and the Spirit's descent. God's story after the resurrection of Jesus takes both a more personal and more global turn. But key questions remain. How were the disciples going to live without Jesus physically present? Had the kingdom of God fully come? If not, what were the disciples to do in the meantime? Jesus answered some of those questions in the six weeks following his resurrection. He met with the disciples regularly in small and large groups. He continued teaching and training them, perhaps reminding them of what he had taught his disciples in three years before. But every day brought his return to heaven one day closer. The risen King Jesus commissioned his disciples, assigning responsibility for the future advance of his kingdom mission to the disciples. Jesus had trained his disciples in preparation for his ultimate kingdom assignment. Jesus' final commission is presented by each of the four gospel writers in a way that is consistent with the unique perspective they had brought to the rest of their gospel. Matthew focused on Jesus' authority to send with a specific assignment. John on Jesus sending his disciples as he had been sent, and Luke on the disciples bearing witness to what they had seen and experienced in Jesus. So there would be no confusion among the disciples about their priority. Jesus gave the commission several times over these weeks. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You are witnesses of these things. Go. Proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in my name and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Wait until you are clothed with power from on high and I will be with you always to the end of the age. About six weeks after his resurrection, Jesus ascended back to his Father physically and visibly. Luke's gospel has a second volume that we call the book of Acts. Acts begins where the gospel ends, with the ascension of Jesus, the day he was taken up. Jesus affirmed his global commission to the gospels again, and then was lifted up into the clouds out of their sight. Angels appeared to remind the disciples that Jesus would come again like this, physically and visibly from above, and also to encourage them to stop standing around and get busy with his command. After this, the disciples returned to Jerusalem where they joined with Jesus' mother Mary, the women who had accompanied Jesus, his half-brothers, and other disciples to continually pray in the same upper room where they had shared the Passover with Jesus. Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit would come and be God's provision for his people's spiritual health, intimacy, and empowerment for mission. He had commanded the disciples to wait and pray for the Holy Spirit's arrival. Fifty days after Jesus' resurrection, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given and the church was born. Pentecost was an Old Testament festival that celebrated and gave thanks for God's provision of the harvest that nourished and provided for the people's physical needs. Jews from all over the world made pilgrimage to be in Jerusalem for this festival. The Spirit came on the entire company of disciples in the upper room, about 120 persons, suddenly and with verifying signs. A sound of blowing wind, a vision of tongues of fire settling on each one. 
all were filled with the Spirit and able to speak the gospel in other tongues and spilled out into the street proclaiming the wonders of God so that the Jews who were gathered there from many nations heard of what God was doing. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the Jews who had gathered in Jerusalem for the festival encountered the words, appearance, and passion of the upper room disciples in the streets, they began questioning why they were drunk so early in the morning. Peter, the same impetuous fisherman who had denied Jesus and was later restored by him, boldly stood up and proclaimed the first gospel message that included Jesus' identity as Messiah, his death and resurrection. Since all those present were Jewish, it was deeply rooted in the principles of the Old Testament law and the promises of the prophets. He concluded by saying, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Let all the house of Israel know, therefore, for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Just after this, God's new community, the church, began to grow strong in power and number. On Pentecost, in response to Peter's message, 3,000 people repented of sin, trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, were baptized, and began living as God's new community, the church, the ecclesia, or called out ones, church of Jesus on mission in the world. Their life together was shaped by a palpable sense of the presence of God, regular rhythms of worship and prayer, the study of the apostles' teaching about Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and mission, a deep sense of community marked by hospitality and meeting one another's needs, God-given favor with those outside the faith that enabled the regular sharing of the good news of Jesus so that many more came to know and trust him. So, you see, Jesus had to leave the ascension so that the sober reality of the responsibility for the mission would rest on the disciples. The Spirit had to come, that's Pentecost, so they had the power to do it. On this Pentecost, the Holy Spirit Jesus had promised was poured out to nourish and provide all his people would need to accomplish the kingdom mission Jesus has assigned. It was a start on fulfilling God's covenant intent with Abraham that through God's people, all the families on earth would be blessed. It was also a clear signal that the kingdom had entered a different era. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came on individuals for specific tasks. But now the Spirit had filled every single one of God's people for the sake of the king's mission. Peter, John, and later James led the church in Jerusalem in a life of bold witness and prayer. Peter was Jesus' designated leader among the apostles. John was part of Jesus' inner circle of apostles. And James was the half-brother of Jesus who had joined with the disciples after the resurrection. They often taught the Jews gathered in the outer areas of the temple about Jesus and his resurrection. One day a lame man was healed. The stir around him greatly annoyed the same religious leaders who had Jesus crucified. They asked Peter and John the same questions they asked Jesus. By what authority or in whose name do you do this? They replied, by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. There is salvation in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. When the religious leaders arrested Peter and John, threatened them, and instructed them to stop speaking in Jesus' name, the two disciples said, We cannot help but speak what we have seen and heard. As the people around saw the power and beauty of the life of Jesus' people, they were drawn to them. And every day more people, the Bible says multitudes of both men and women, heard the good news, repented of sin, trusted Jesus, and joined with the church. But this also brought fierce opposition. The Jewish leaders were jealous and angry about the growth of this blasphemous sect and were not above leveraging their partnership with Roman leaders to stifle Jesus' people. The apostles were regularly imprisoned and questioned, beaten and threatened, mostly by religious leaders. But they and the other disciples were faithful. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And the church continued to grow. So there was a regular rhythm by which the disciples grew and matured. More people came to a relationship with Jesus, and the borders of God's kingdom extended. But there were certain moments that propelled the kingdom forward. One of those moments happened with Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, who was widely trusted by the entire body of believers, chosen of one of seven men out of thousands to help address a need that was causing division in the church at Jerusalem. Along with sharing the gospel, he performed great wonders and signs among the people. That got the attention of the Jewish religious leaders who regularly engaged in debate with him and finally brought charges of blasphemy against him, convened a trial, and arranged for false witnesses against him. Does that sound familiar? Stephen was martyred after proclaiming Jesus as Messiah to Jewish leaders. Stephen's statement at his trial was a detailed retelling of God's redemptive story through the history of Israel that was moving towards a proof that Jesus was the fulfillment of it all. He started with the covenant with Abraham, then traced through Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, King David. It was actually like reading a beginner's Bible with big print, small words, and lots of pictures to a room full of Old Testament PhDs. Stephen not only made it to Solomon before he boldly accused these leaders of resisting the Holy Spirit, killing the prophets, of disobeying God's law, and murdering the Messiah. The leaders were furious. And then Stephen, when Stephen claimed to see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, they became a mob and stoned him to death. Young men named Saul held their coats while they tossed the stones, approving of the execution. As he died, Stephen prayed like Jesus, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. In the wake of Stephen's death, a great persecution arose against the church. And many Christians were scattered all over the region, including areas like Syria and Samaria, where Jewish people did not usually go. While painful, this scattering or dispersion also hastened the church's obedience to Jesus' call to make disciples from all people groups. Awakening broke out in Samaria, and the church grew.